Well, I want to encourage you, open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Just three verses this morning that we're going to cover. And on this uh, topic of generosity, this is a second uh, sermon in a three-week series that we're going to do on generosity. Last week, we looked at God, a giving God, and it's so amazing as we really look at the scriptures and go through the Bible as we did last week, at how much we are dependent upon God because He gives us everything. He gives us light. He gives us breath. He gives us rain. He gives us our health. And as we begin to understand how great God is and how He gives us everything, it turns our hearts back to Him. And we ask, and we ask rightfully so, for Him to give us all that we need and be dependent upon Him and turns us from being self-absorbed um, and independent of God. It's much like a child who gets paid an allowance to take out the trash. Well, the child is being faithful and he's doing what his parents want, but somehow I don't think the 50 cents that, that he earns each time he takes out the trash is, has the ability to pay the bills, the light bills, and the house and the clothing that are required to, to, to take care of him. And so God is faithful. He gives us everything. And then he asks us to be faithful in working and to be giving and to be generous. And that's the part that we're going to cover today. What is our response to this giving God who created all that we see, who created us and gave us life? What should we be? Who should we be in response to this incredibly giving God? And in three verses, the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, inspired by God, is writing to one of his disciples named Timothy. And he writes this in chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are, or rather, they are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Wow, let's, let's go through that verse by verse and break this down just a little bit. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It's a popular uh, book in the Bible. It's fairly short. Many people do studies on it because of that. Um, but let's begin back in verse 17. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Well, let's kind of explain that. I don't know about you, but haughty is a word my grandmother would use. I, I don't think I've used haughty in my whole life until I just read it a second ago. Uh, haughty in, in the Greek here, uh, it means to be proud or to be conceited. So right off the bat, he says, charge the rich, or as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So those who are wealthy should not be proud or conceited is the point. Very simple point, but let's go a little bit further. He says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them to give all their money away. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that in any verse in the Bible. The rich young ruler, he challenges Jesus, if you're familiar with the gospel, he challenges the rich young ruler to go and give the poor. Uh, but he is honing in in that teaching 
on what was really holding the rich young ruler back from God. Here he's speaking of just simply, hey, the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud. He doesn't say get rid of all of your riches. In other words, here's one clear thing that I want you to understand. It's not sinful to be rich. Paul doesn't say that it's sinful to be rich. And this may surprise you, but if you're here in this church today or listening on the internet, it probably means you have the compu- a computer or you have the ability to at least listen. Here in America, almost every person that you will meet is rich comparatively. Compared to around the world where people are struggling for food, who have no shelter, to the individuals we minister to in Mexico who are living in boxes and cardboard shelters. If you're here in America, you are likely considered rich. You might not feel rich looking around, comparing yourself to your neighbors, but you are. So number one is, if you're rich, it's not a sin. It is not a sin. That is poor thinking. It's okay to be rich, but there are some challenges that come with being rich. And he he highlights that here in two ways. He says, as for the rich in this present age, there's something that you need to understand here is life begins now, but continues for eternity. Life begins in this age, but it does not stop. It continues on. So in understanding your wealth and your riches, if you're looking at it from this age alone, on what you're going to accomplish between now and the day that you die, you're thinking about it wrong. And then the second aspect is riches can twist your thinking. He says, charge them not to be haughty. In other words, as they've maybe accumulated wealth or been given wealth, they're looking at others that aren't as wealthy and they've become proud. He says, charge them not to do that. Riches can twist your thinking. It's amazing how your thinking can affect your life. We're about to start a small group, Judy and I, at our house. We've outgrown ours, and we're splitting off, and, and we're starting, and I want to invite you, if you're not a part of a small, small group, I, I get to, to take the pulpit and say, I get to invite you. All the others that are starting, they don't get to come up here like that, but if you want to be a part of a small group at our house, we're starting after Easter, but the study that we're, we're starting is called Thinking Differently. You do not change what you do until you change your thoughts. And if riches have been the focus of your thoughts, it's amazing how it changes your thinking in regards to your own self-image, in regards to others, and in regards to your goals in life. Riches, the thoughts of how you accomplished them or, or achieved them or acquired them can change your thinking. It can twist it. To give you a simple uh, illustration of how powerful thinking is, this morning as I came into church, uh, many of you arrive about uh, when we get started or a few minutes before, but some of us are here really early and the worship team is here early. And I was out out in the lobby getting me some coffee uh, as I was here earlier. And one of the little kids, a little little eight-year-old kid, he comes up and he's making himself some hot chocolate and coffee, I think even. Uh, I'm not sure mom and dad are aware of that, but he's, he's into it. And all of a sudden, he spills everything and makes a huge mess. And I'm, I'm watching to see how he's going to react to this. And he goes, oh, no, it's a mess. I'm going to go clean it up. And I go, you want some help, buddy? And he goes, no, 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 I got it. And I'm, I'm really impressed. Mom and dad have been working with him. And a few minutes go by, and he's mumbling. And I hear two words come out of his mouth. I hear bounty and better. 
And I'm thinking, eight-year-old kid? What is he talking about? I'm thinking like he's talking pirate language. And, and maybe his, his parents, you know, give him money for cleaning stuff up. And if, if he were getting paid money, he would do a better job cleaning this up. And I get really curious. So, and so I asked this little eight-year-old, I go, what was, what was that you were saying? He goes, if I had some bounty, I could clean this up a lot better. And I'm like, bounty what? He goes, you know, like on the commercial on TV, bounty cleans better. I'm like, wow, this company has a customer for life. It's amazing what marketing can do. It can influence your thoughts, right? So this little eight-year-old is like complaining at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, that's not what I expected at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday the marketing of a Fortune 100 company on paper towels. It's just crazy how your thoughts can affect you. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud. Nor, he says in the second half of verse 17, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So point number two, he says, set their hopes on God not riches. Let's elaborate a little bit. Riches are uncertain. They come and go. The stock market goes up, it goes down. But God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Just recalling last week, God richly provides us with everything. And here's the part that most people really, they kind of get, but they feel guilty. God wants you to enjoy everything. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad about enjoying some of the things that God's blessed you with. It, uh, people walk into church and it's like they become so spiritual, they won't talk about anything other than, oh, God's blessed me this week. And they pretend like they're not out there playing golf or, or hiking in the woods or out there on the bass boat. They sometimes want to be real spiritual and it's, it's okay to enjoy God's riches and everything that He's provided to you. It's okay. He's, it's there for your enjoyment. We don't have to go around of these poor, miserable wretches going, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus all day long. Now you can enjoy the things that He's provided you. It's okay. But here's the deal. Have you really set your hope on God and not on riches? What do you daydream about? At work or at home, what do you daydream about? Do you daydream about the vacation that you have planned or what God is doing in your life and the opportunities that you have to bless others and to enrich others and to use your wealth that God has given you for His glory? Do you daydream about your children and what they have planned or what you want for them? And is that the riches of this world? Is it about getting an education so they can get rich? Or is it how God can use them in amazing ways in the future? Where do you have your hope set? Do you have your hope set on your 401k? That's a tough one to answer. It really, truly is. But he says this in verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Four simple things. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good works. Think of it like this. 
How many of you are on Amazon? How many? Yeah, none of you want to admit that you've used Amazon. You're like, I buy locally. I shop locally. I've seen UPS at your house. You use Amazon. And on Amazon, they have lists, right? You search for stuff and you find stuff you say, and you save it under a list. And there's this list of stuff that you're like following, trying to get the best price on. And every once in a while, you're, you're, you're searching the internet, you're looking at news, but then you go to Amazon, you're looking at your list. Like your hope is set on this list. When is that, that item going to come on sale so I can purchase it? You really have put your hope and your focus on the riches and the good stuff on Amazon. Now, maybe some of you aren't on the internet. Maybe you are more of a Bymart, Ace Hardware, DMV person. And you, you tell your, your spouse that you're going there to maybe do a project, home project, and you need to go to Ace to get some plumbing. But on the way out, you just happen to cruise by the gun counter, and you're over there, you're looking, and you're just sitting there going, hmm, yeah, that's, that looks good. I'm going to get that one, and after that one, this one. You have your hope, not on, on the good works of God, but on, on something entirely else. Do you have your hope set on your 401k or something that I would call a God K? What sort of good works do you have planned? What sort of good things are you doing? I had the, the tremendous opportunity to serve at one of our elementary schools this week just doing some painting. And in like two hours of painting, we must have had 10, 15 people come by and say, thank you, we really appreciate it, that looks great. And after coming out, I was like, man, I received a blessing. That was awesome. I really felt great about that two hours. I can't imagine anything I could have spent money on two hours later feeling that good and, and that enriched because people were so thankful. What sort of good works are you trying to do? What sort of riches have you piled up? Instead of thinking about your list, have you thought and, and really considered, what sort of good works have I done this week? What sort of good works do I have planned this summer? this fall, this winter. If I were to die tomorrow now, I was standing before God, what would my God K look like? I know what my 401K looks like. It doesn't look very good right now anyway with the stock market. But what would be my God K? What would that look like? Can you envision some of the things that you've done? And, and here, once again, we almost kind of feel bad about thinking about some of the good works we've done, but that's okay. No, be rich in good works. Enjoy it. Think about the good works that you've done. That's pleasurable. That's enjoyable. Thinking about the impact that you've made in people's lives. I can say after 10 years in ministry, it gets better every year. If you've been serving downstairs in children's ministry, you know what I'm talking about. Because after, like say, a year in children's ministry, you might be burned out. After two years, you're bitter. You're ready to throttle little kids. And, and you don't want to see any. But after 10 years, you actually get to see the fruit of your good works. And you get to see the impact of lives that have been changed. And, and you, you get to say to yourself, wow, I'm a small part of what God's done in this child's life. And, and you get to see this, this godly teenager and an adult, and if you've had teen ministry, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been involved in that, as they graduate from college and maybe they come back to town and they're married and, 
and you're seeing this godly person that you've had a small part to impact in their lives. Or if you've, you've given money to a mission trip and you, you, you hear people come back and tell the story of how God's Spirit was moving in people that are saved. Be rich in good works. That's the way you have a rich life. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Two other points. To be generous and ready to share. Here's how you can tell if you're generous with your money. If you hold out your hand and you're holding on to money, what are you holding on it for? Are you, are you ready to open it up for good works or are you holding on to it for the second house, the nicer car? And as you see opportunities for good works, you, you keep your fists clenched and you're not ready to let that money go. But as you are planning for good works, you're ready to release the money and be generous and to give. And there are all sorts of ways and places that you can give. We were giving our time to some people, like I said this past week, that have nothing to do with this church or anything else. We're not asking for your money today. We're just saying what Scripture says. To be generous, you have to have an open hand with your money. But if you have it closed, and you're holding on to it for your own desires and for your own comfort, it's hard to release it. And then the second aspect that he says there, be ready to share. Are you really ready to share? Next week's sermon or after Easter, the week following Easter, that's all going to be about how to give, how to be ready to share. Because if you're like me, sometimes you want to be generous, but you don't know who to give to. You don't know if the money is going to be used properly. You don't know if this person is really needy. You don't know if it's going to be put to good use. You don't know if it's being put in the hands of someone that's trustworthy. Or maybe you've just never really thought about how to give and just people come into your life and you're asking, they're asking you about money, but you're just not quite ready. I want to encourage you between now and two weeks from now to prepare your heart and ask yourself, are you ready to be generous? Are you ready to share? Are you still holding on? Is your money all about you? Or is it about God and His kingdom? An eternal perspective. And then finally in verse 19, he says, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. It takes planning. If you're going to think about the future, you have to start storing it up now. It takes planning. If you've been here in the past several months, we went in-depth about being a disciple of Jesus and what that looks like. And then... Not only that, but right now we're doing Financial Peace University. As far as the, the living out, being a, a disciple of Jesus, ultimately it gets beyond Sunday morning and it gets to Monday morning. And how do you live your life? And, and we went through this disciple planner. It's a, it's a day planner with a focus of, of Scripture every single day, a, a weekly goal. 
changing your thinking or attempting to change your thinking and then it hits your, your plan for the day and your week and as time passes, you actually progressively head towards that goal that God has commanded us to live out. Whatever area of life you're working on, whether it's God or spouse or money or, or family or whatever the case. And so that takes care of your time. And then Dave Ramsey's financial piece, he talks about a budget and your financial goals and, and how that affects your life. And so if you're looking at storing up a foundation for the age to come, you look at these two things and that pretty much covers it. It covers all the time that God has given you and all the resources that He's given you. If we were to take these two items out, your budget and your planner or your life, that's going to tell you if you have a plan to store up riches for the future and laying a good foundation, or if it's all about this life that ends in the grave. What does yours say? Well, maybe you're, you're the type of person that just kind of lives by a, a, a wing and a prayer. You don't like the plan. And you'd say, well, some people are planners and some aren't. Yeah, I'm kind of like that. I understand that. But if that's what you're choosing to do, to not plan, you're just trying to get through each day and you're happy at the end of the day that you didn't have a, a disaster occur, well, you probably aren't making progress towards God's goals and His desire. You probably are consumed with the things of this world because this is the world that we're living in. But remember, life begins in this age and continues for eternity. Unless you really make a plan for laying up treasure, a good foundation for the future, it likely will not happen. And he says, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Isn't that interesting? We live every day in this world and we can take hold of the things in this world and, and have a good amount of success with what God's given us. Our talents, our minds, our, our work ethic, all the things that God has given us. But as we take a greater hold of this life, we're actually gaining traction on nothing. Because as we gain traction in this life, we age and we get closer and closer to the grave. And we don't like to talk about that very much. That's not encouraging. <laughs> but honestly, as you talk to people who are older and are, are, have achieved retirement, and as they're approaching the grave, they're doing the exact opposite of everything we teach our kids. We teach our kids, get a good education so you can grow up, get a good job, make a, a lot of money and retire. And you talk to retirees and they're going, well, I really don't want to spend my time on the things of this world anymore. I want to spend my life on the things that matter. And I'm actually downsizing. I don't want the big house anymore. I want the small house. And not only once they get the small house, they're not really concerned with the second house or even all the activities they used to do. They're thinking about a life that is purposeful, a life that matters. In a book that I'm reading right now, and sharing, it's called Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out by Reed. And he writes this, as you're sharing Jesus with people, you're going to meet people in life that are between two poles, pain and passion. And Jesus, his redemption applies to those people, which is everyone, in one of those areas. 
They're either going through an area in their life where they're full of pain and they're wanting love. They're wanting forgiveness. They're wanting power. They're wanting freedom. Or they're in an area of their life where they're about passion. They're trying to find purpose in this life. They're trying to live a life that matters. And and, and they are consumed with all the stuff of this world, but in each thing that they achieve in this world, they realize that they're no happier than when they first got started. The bar is always moved. And as they achieve maybe becoming a millionaire, they're like, all right, how do I truly become liquid, wealth, kind of crazy rich? And then that doesn't really fulfill them. Well, then maybe it's about relationships and they dump their spouse and they try a new spouse. Or maybe it's about kids and they pour their life in their kids and their grandkids and they try to live vicariously through them. But it ultimately, it just doesn't satisfy. And Jesus, the very thing they, they may have had their whole life, they don't realize it is in Him that there is hope. It is in Him that there is a future. This good, giving God. And the exciting part about Jesus is it's not just the future. We can start now laying up a foundation for the future of good works being generous and ready to share so we can take hold of true life. A passionate life that matters. That does not end in the grave. Timothy says, you want a rich life? Be generous. Ready to share. Doing good works. And then, you will have an understanding of what it means to lay up a foundation for that which is truly life. Now it's my pleasure to introduce a quick video to show you a little bit of what we're going to be talking about two weeks from now on the how to give. What can you do to be generous? How can you serve? How can you be rich in good works? And this is just one small example of what it means to be generous. The video you just saw was of the Rachel Pregnancy Center, a ministry that very few people know about in our community and that we wanted to highlight here at uh, Blue Mountain Baptist Church. They are committed to the sanctity of life and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to introduce you to their director, and this is Alberta. Good morning. <laughs> um, I am so delighted to be here this morning. Scott came and talked with me, and, and I'm just so delighted to see the faces that are here this morning. And some I know and some I don't, but it doesn't matter because you're in God's house. And I'm here too. And I just want you to know how we get by and how we live from day to day with the center. Yeah, it was so neat. Uh, Judy and I got to, to spend some time taking that video. And uh, it's just amazing to see what one person can do. I know many of you are involved in ministry, but Alberta has helped lead, and there are a lot of people working behind the scenes with the Rachel Pregnancy Center. But I wanted to take just a few moments
for you to hear from her heart what they're about, what they do, how they function, how you can give, whether it's time or money, and the impact uh, that they've made. So can you share us a, with us just a thumbnail sketch of what you do and how you operate? Well, some days it's not easy, let me tell you. But you know what? We know that God is with us and is helping us. And when it comes to that, it makes things a lot easier. People come in, sometimes they're in, you know, having troubles, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're just glad to be there too. And you know, it's a delight to be able to help each and every one that comes in. People come through and they, they may need, they may even need food. And um, we try to help them with that. Um, they just, and, and my philosophy in this is, if you can keep those people coming back, even if they are not Christian people, you have that chance to witness to them anytime and every time they're there. And that's my goal, is to witness to everyone so that they know the Lord and they know they have that help, and they know they can come to me, and they can say, hey, you know, things aren't so good. But God is good, and we just have to hold that in our hands while we're holding some of them that are crying, or needing some help, or have done something they shouldn't. I even go to court with some of them, not to be a witness, but just to be there for them, to sit behind them and, and pray while they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or I go to a woman, with a woman, to um, deliver a baby, and I get to see sometimes how that goes and be there to pray for them and to help them through their day. I'm the one that gets blessed because I care. And I have just, in the last few years, I tell you, I have learned more about what I should have been doing all this time in my life <laughs> and why it took so long to get there. God had a plan, and that's what he tells us. I knew you before the womb, and I have a plan for you. Don't miss that plan. Not even for a day. Because if you do, you're going to miss out on something great. Because he's good. He is. And the name of their center might give you uh, an idea of what they do, but specifically... If you can imagine yourself as a young woman who is pregnant and all the, the issues that arrive, uh, arise from that, whether you're married, unmarried, or whether you're trying to decide to keep the baby or not, or not, and Alberta's ministry and the ministry of her volunteers come alongside those ladies and encourage them. Uh, they give to them. They, they don't sell stuff. Their little ministry uh, is in a building right next to the courthouse, about a block off the courthouse. And you saw some of the video. 
they encourage the young ladies as they're pregnant, as they have kids, and instead of just saying, all right, you know, you really, we want you to keep the baby, they encourage and support financially and with material goods after they have the child and, and are sharing Jesus all through that process and sharing not just an evangelistic, you know, here are the here are the way here's the way to God, but through love, through kindness, through prayer, uh, and so they have this incredible ministry of ministering to some people that are in a really rough spot in their life, and uh, it, it was a blessing to see all the different things they do. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong; you're probably not getting rich according to this world doing this ministry, are you? No, but you know what. <laughs> He's good. He takes care of us. And he sees that we have what we need. And that's what we ask for. That's how we pray. And we pray for those who need us, will find us. And we know that they will because somebody's out there that's going to say, have you ever heard about Rachel Center? Because we do give. And we give with our hearts, all of us. And so they give away clothes, they give away formula, diapers, and they're constantly giving this away. It's amazing to walk in there. Uh, and, and so if you would like to participate, uh, you can give. You can see uh, uh, any, any of us after the service and find out how you can give. You can participate in the baby bottle uh, fundraiser they have at Mother's Day. Uh, but next week or two weeks from now, we'll talk about a challenge that I'll, that I'll give to you um, in giving. Uh, to their center, because one of the things that I've discovered as, especially if you walk through the church doors, if people start talking about money and generosity and giving, uh, they're like, oh, this church just, all they want from me is money. And I want to encourage you, we don't want your money. If that's not what today's about, as a matter of fact, as I'll encourage you to be generous, I'll encourage you to start with their organization, which has nothing to do with us, no association whatsoever. Because I've found their organization to be transparent in their finances, to be led by incredible individuals, to have a Christ-centered mission, and to be very effective at what they do. And that's all a part of the how we give and and why we give uh, is is founded in Christ, obviously, but the how you want to be wise. And I I can give you my testimony, everything I've seen, uh, they do a tremendous job in helping out a group of people that we'll never touch. So if you'd like to volunteer time, money, effort, whatever the case, uh, we're going to explain more about that in the days to come. But uh, I just wanted to give uh, Alberta just any one last thing that you would like to share, uh, any individuals that you can think of that you'd like to share about or any needs that you might have. You know, I could go on and on, and you'd get tired after a while. Lunch would come and go. <clears throat> but I can't, I can't really tell you how I feel about this. And I'll tell you, I've had some time to think about it. This is really close to my heart. And I know it's God's doing. We couldn't do it without God. There's no way that we could go in there. When I first came there, it wasn't even in 
existence. It had closed down. And I helped to be, put, be able to put it back together. <clears throat> and we've grown and we've grown. We have prayer every morning that we're there. And we do a lot of praying when the people go out also. We can always use whatever you have, however much you have, however how you want to help. It's just amazing what we can do. If somebody comes in and wants to cry on our shoulder, we've got pretty broad shoulders. And, and you know, we know that, but by the grace of God, there go I, each one of us. So think about that. Think how he can help you and how you can help us. We don't care about the money as long as we can stay open and as long as people are helping us and as long as they're bringing the stuff in that they don't want any longer. We have nice things. You are welcome to come and look at us and see what we do. Um, to help satisfy your thoughts about us. And if you've got suggestions where you think you could help us even better or we could use whatever, God bless you. Help us do what we need to do here. Time is getting short in our days, I think. And that's okay. One way or the other, we're not going to be here forever anyway. And you know what? Every day I think, God, if you give me another day, that's good. Just show me what to do. Help me to get there. Help me to help those babies and their mothers. And believe you me, <clears throat> I get to love on a lot of those babies. Because when they come in the door, I'm going to have my hands on them one way or the other. Well, God bless Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Let's pray and invite our worship team to come forward. Join with me in praying for Alberta and her ministry. Father, I just thank you so much. Just for the young ladies in this community that uh, you provided, help us to minister to them, help us to give them encouragement, to love them, show them the grace of God, the love of God, uh, I just pray for their eternal destiny, that they would come to know you if they don't already, Father. I just pray for the Rachel Pregnancy Center, that you would continue to use volunteers and, and just build them up, Lord. I, I know they sometimes struggle financially, but you always provide. Father, I thank you for just your goodness and your giving in our life. I pray that you'll help us to be generous with others. In Christ's name I pray, amen.